Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Want to witness the world's biggest football game? Head to iCanWin.com.au, predict Australia's score with a crystal ball, and it could be you and a friend at the FIFA World Cup Qatar 2022 semifinals, all thanks to McDonald's. Mackers, together and loving it. TNCs apply. Deck maintenance isn't fun. Move the furniture and barbecue, sand and prep, paint, seal, or get a low-maintenance Trex deck. The only colour fade you'll have to deal with is watching the sunset. Trex, the world's number one decking brand. Double eight, double three. If you want to give us a text on the temper bedpost, text machine, or even better, we love hearing from you. We love hearing your voices. 0800-150-811 on the Kennard's High phone line any time of the morning. The messages are coming through on the text machine. We'll get to those shortly. But, boys, big show. Looking forward to it. Mate, it's awesome. And honestly, Izzy, it is so stacked with uh, sport coming up, especially World Cups and all sorts. I'm looking forward to the the, uh, the Women's Rugby World Cup um, kicking off this weekend. You're right. I was, I, on the way in this morning, I phoned the boys up in England. They're catching up with Thomas Lulawai today. He's got a testimonial in Wigan. And uh, remember the great Feta Palacina, front row for the Warriors? Yeah. He was sitting next to my mate, I called. So I got him on the phone, had a good chat to fix, and he's up there working for Hull as a, as a welfare officer. Uh, we'll get him on the phone next week and go back and reminisce about his good old days at the Warriors and catch up. Um, he's keen to come on and talk to us for breakfast. So, mate, lots of lots of people getting ready to to knuckle down through October, November. Um, it really stimulates your thoughts too on forecasting for next year already for mm. me um, because the season starts a week earlier next year in the NRL. And if you look at one of the things I thought about this morning, if you're looking at a three-peat from Penrith, they've got 20 out of 28 of their top squad up there playing in the World Cup. Um, mate, they could have they could have fatigue syndrome if mm. they don't get the if they don't get this this right going into their three peat. So um, yeah, mate, lots of lots of stimulating thoughts happening. Got a good got a good lineup this morning. Um, but yeah, mate, I can't wait for the weekend. Jeez, it's, it's all happening at the moment. Well, it just goes from yeah. you know one good thing. Remember, we we're talking about that. There's what do you choose this weekend into grand final weekend, and now we're into World Cup weekends. So, good time of the year. Yeah, great time of the year. Good racing coming up. You got the spring carnival. I don't know. I watched this um, clip on Instagram with seven horse racing, and <laughs> just got me so pumped about the spring carnival coming up. Obviously, a big uh, month. Next month here in New Zealand, you've got Cup Week, plenty of Group 1s taking place, and uh, it's all happening. And you got a Rugby World Cup, 
and Kimberley's already come through. Good morning. Has anyone yet mentioned the Black Ferns documentary on Sky? It's a great insight, Kimberley. Kimberley, I've seen uh, ads of it. I've seen Clifford's, but I haven't watched it yet. But I, I promise you I'm going to watch that. Uh, obviously, this weekend taking place, the Rugby uh, World Cup, our women's, the Black Ferns, sold out. Well, haven't, have they sold out? About 35,000 have sold Louis, but that's half of the half of the tickets sold through the entire World Cup, isn't it? So we, we hopefully they can get a jam packed, obviously stadium. They got Rita Ora, Rita Ora, obviously wife of Taika, apparently uh, taking place and, uh, and and doing the opening ceremony. But it's all happening, Louis. I'm fizzed. I am genuinely fizzed about what's happening in the world of sport. Yeah, fair enough, and uh, I can see why. You're right, the Spring Carnival, it's mm. going to be it's gonna be really busy and it kind of gets underway. Well, it has been underway, but this weekend, Caulfield Guineas Day is always an absolute ripper, and you've got the might and power uh, this weekend, which is pretty much the Cox Plate trial. It's pretty much the Cox Plate field um, minus the extras. So, yeah, it's going to be great. Zaki versus Animo for the first time this spring. Looking forward to that. And I guess it's a, it was a little bit disappointing while all this good stuff's going on to see Josh Curran and the Warriors back in the headlines for the uh, wrong reasons, Kempe. <laughs> uh, look, I'm 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 not going to give it too much away because it's off my back off the back fence, in and around that. But yeah, silly season started already. It didn't take long. Actually, it <laughs> took about an hour after the grand final. To be brutally honest, <laughs> yeah. no, li- um, literally, literally. So. Mate, the sooner the World Cup can start and we can start focusing on something else as opposed to some of these chumps off the field um, not really not really doing the right thing. I, it's, it's, it, it's so annoying. It is so annoying that we've got these things in place and I look at other sports and they don't have these problems. Um, I, they do have problems. Don't get me wrong. It's not just rugby league. Yeah, but yeah. Consi- for consistency, we, we win that down um, hands down. I've been thinking about it, Kimpy. Did, did they get targeted? Do you feel like they're, they're targeted? They're, obviously, over in Australia they are, because that's, that's obviously one of the biggest sports in Australia. So do media, do do pundits genuinely try and target these players? Because you're dead right. Like, they're constantly in the... We're no saints. Rugby players, like, we're, we're definitely no saints. But you feel like contrast? Like, you, you just... Yeah, if you get a sense that the rugby league's always got something coming out. Yeah, hundred percent, Izzy. I can talk about it on personal on a personal basis. Look, I never I never played professional sport in New Zealand, um, but I've seen it and I've been a part of it as a coach. And the difference between New Zealand and, and Australia, which is only three hours away, is New Zealand has a is a community that allows you to walk around the streets and get on with your with your with your with your daily. Yep. Um, Happenings, you know what I mean. So Izzy Dag walks past you. It's like, oh, hey, that's Izzy Dag, you know, it's, and 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 it's just your, a passing comment. In Australia, they will not leave you alone. You know, I'll, I'll give you an example. I remember being in a hotel with Benji Marshall. You know, I used to run these leadership camps, and Benji and the team, and and we go into a, a hotel in in Sydney, and would have these conversations. Benji would show up in his car. He'd park in the VIP area. He'd walk out of it in his and with his hoodie up. And and basically slink inside. I thought, oh, you know, that's sort of, you know, that that hoodies thing, you know, like, well, why why do you keep wearing your hoodie thing? I didn't say anything. But anyway, we went for tea down the road after the meeting. And he pulled his hoodie up. Yeah, halfway down the road, he took his yep. hoodie down. Mate, they would not leave him alone. 
Seriously, hey. no. They, everyone he walked past, they just grab him, talk to him, stop him. So the the side of that is that they do get targeted if they know who you are, and um, yeah. you know, it's that's the that's the question. How do you handle that part moving forward? Because it ain't going to stop. Mm. And we can we continually like the one the Josh Curran story that came out Louis um, yesterday, like that's a that's a decision. Under duress, obviously, with alcohol yeah. involved, yeah, and, we, we and don't get yourself in trouble. We don't know the details, and we probably shouldn't speculate. But at the same time, personal responsibility and being targeted are two very different things. And yeah, oh yeah, for yeah, sure. And if it is what the the kind of um, the hearsay is about this, it just sounds like a bit of thuggery, to be honest. And well, and, and and my point when I do off the back fence this morning is going to be around basically um, what you do. Because what you're doing isn't working, you know what I mean? So what do you do to actually stem this issue that the NRL have, like I said, an hour after the grand final, they're already telling people to pull down posts in the grand final for making comments that are that are a bit derogatory. So, um, yeah, it's a, it's a real tough one, Izzy. It's really frustrating for me watching Lee people in there for all the wrong reasons, but it's consistent. You, you just go, when is gonna, when's the first one going to drop? Yeah, you're right, Kempi. You you do. You kind of there's this. Um, is it the Simpsons has that classic graphic? Um, zero. How many days till uh, <laughs> since? And it's just zero <laughs> the whole time. And it's always like how many days to since another NRL scandal. This is alleged at the moment with Josh Curran. It's obviously being reported, but it, like he hasn't had his day in court, and we don't know all the details. So um, again, it's just a wee bit of speculation. But I think the dots are kind of starting to connect themselves there. I just. Times like these, I do feel a bit for Cam George at the club as well, because even in their off season, they can't, can't get away from. Them. Well, that, and you're dead right. You're dead right when you want to take a breath. Just, just calm down. Like, take you know? a, Cam, Cam wants to sit back and take a breath and enjoy the the spring carnival because he's a horsey man, and all of yep. a sudden he's having to go up to Cairns probably or or do get someone up to Cairns to look after the Josh Curran situation. It's like, when is it going to stop? That's what. Yeah, I feel sorry for him. Seriously. Well, the NRL integrity unit, do you reckon they're busier in the in the season or in the <laughs> off-season, is he? <laughs> Mate, they're the busiest unit in sport, I reckon. <laughs> they are always having to deal so with something. True. And look, so I'm true. not trying to put a blight on, on NRL. It's a great game, but man, they just they do it to themselves. You think of sponsors, commercial, marketing, like everyone that's involved, they must be just shaking their head. That'll probably be the one thing that they, before they sign that dotted line, they're like, Please, can you sort that integrity unit out? Or can you just go around the club? I don't look, Kempi, I know you're going to have something off the back fence to how they change it, but something needs to change because at the moment there's always some huge story comes out. Rugby's had its fair share, don't worry. All sports have had their fair share, but I feel like NRL just week in, week out has its fair share and it's uh, it's not a good look for the great game. But anyway, we'll be debating that throughout the show for sure, Louis. We will indeed. And Trent? Jeez, Trent is never far away as soon as you say the Z word. Zaki is about to get his beat up on. He's hitting his peak. Get on. Also, we could be in for one of the best New Zealand springs yeah. in Melbourne for a long time. <laughs> Whoa. Whoa, yeah. Hey, Trent, look, you know what camp I'm in, and it's not the Zaki one, mate. Right. Now listen closely because this might take some getting your head around. When I say Emirates Team New Zealand, you instinctively think America's Cup sailing water, right? 
what if I was to tell you this, the sailing isn't restricted to the water, though, and they were, in fact, looking to be world beaters on the land. Well, that's what's going on is their wind-powered land speed world record attempt in South Australia on the salts of Lake Gardner is in full swing with skipper or pilot Glenn Ashby, the madman behind the operation. Glenn is with me now to elaborate on what on earth is going on here. G'day, Glenn. Thanks so much for joining us, mate. Yeah, g'day, Z. How's it all going? Oh, we're good, mate. But just just take us back to the start. Where in the hell the hell did you get this idea? <laughs> yeah, look, it's, um, you know, I guess sort of speed with, with sailing has sort of been, you know, fairly prevalent probably since I was a, a little kid, mate, to be honest. And really this, you know, is taking things, I guess, to, to that sort of ultimate level of how fast can you go, you know, powered by the wind. And obviously the America's Cup boats that we've, you know, sailed on in the last sort of decade have, you know, been getting faster and faster and faster. And, um, you know, that technological side of things is, is getting, you know, better and better. And really this project has been a, a bit of a lifelong dream for me. And, you know, I've just been very, very fortunate that Emirates Team New Zealand have uh, shared the passion with taking on a project that's, you know, pretty unique, pretty bespoke out of the box and, you know, and pushing the boundaries, which uh, the team does extremely well. So um, I feel very fortunate. Yeah, well, that's my next question, mate. How on earth did you convince Dalts and your team New Zealand bosses bosses to endorse this and get behind it? <laughs> well, you know, Dalts is, uh, doesn't need much convincing when it comes to sort of driving fast cars or bikes. So I've sort of got a, a, a partner in crime <laughs> thinking along the same lines there. But um, obviously... Look, it's a, you know, being being a fairly, you know, bespoke project and something that's sort of fairly technologically advanced, like the foiling chase boat, the foiling hydrogen chase boat program, this is another feather in the cap, really, of what New Zealand and certainly what Emirates Team New Zealand can do. And, you know, we've got a lot of fantastic people within the team um, and a lot of um, fantastic New Zealand companies that have sort of got behind us. Um, you know, with the project, Southern Spars um, and Toyota have been, you know, fantastic partners, um, you know, with them at Team New Zealand and really, you know, punching well above their weight, you know, on, the, on a world scale. So for us to be able to come across here to sort of, you know, my backyard, I guess, if you like, from where I've grown up, even though we're a state away, um, you know, to have the team come across and, you know, have the uh, the, the craft with the New Zealand flag on the side of it, you know, hopefully ripping down the, the salt at great speeds in the, in the coming weeks is, is going to be really fantastic. And I think it draws a lot of people in from, you know, different different industries. Um, it's sort of in between flying, it's in between motorsport, um, and it's also in between sailing. So it really combines a lot of um, a lot of different things all in, in, in one place. Well, it takes a team, and you've always had a fantastic team behind the scenes, innovators, the, the, the best boat builders going around, and Team New Zealand's always been leading the way with the, with the, every single time they've been out sailing, their boats are fast, they're slimlined, they're just too good. Talk us through this vehicle, a land yacht. What does it look like and how does it work? Yeah, well, it's, um, it's, it's obviously uh, you know got wheels on it instead of foils, which is probably the main <laughs> yeah. difference for us as a, as a, as a team. Um, you know, we haven't been experts by any means in tyre technology or suspension setups or anything like that. So we've very much had to, you know, as a team, look outside the square of our comfort zone and, and sort of, you know, talk to different industries and different people on, you know, what we were trying to do. 
obviously the carbon fibre, the composite side of things and the mechanical engineering, you know, we were very, very strong at and obviously the, um, you know, the wing side of things and understanding how wings work um, and aerodynamics, you know, we have a good idea of that. So, you know, we've had to put ourselves outside our comfort zone, but the actual craft itself um, is about uh, 40 feet long. Um, the wing height um, is around 33 feet high or 10, 10.1 metres high. And we've got a big long arm that goes out to the side of the craft on the windward side, um, which has a big bulb on the end of it, a little bit like a keel of one of the old versions by America's Cup boats or any other yacht that basically stops the craft rolling over. So we actually ballast the craft up. Um, it weighs about 1,600 kilograms empty, and we actually ballast the craft up to about 2.5 to 2.8 tonnes um, of weight with lead and steel. And that weight helps the tyres grip on the surface, on the salt, and we need a big, long runway to, to wind up from a standing start to hopefully have a crack at breaking this record of 202.9 kilometres an hour. So we're hoping to smash that if we can, and 250 kilometres an hour is our, is our target speed. It's 250 kilometres an hour, not just smashing it, demolishing the, the old record set in 2009. Look, uh, what sort of conditions do you need to have this all pan out perfectly? Yeah, look, we, um, we obviously need a, a, you know, a perfectly sort of dry surface. Um, it is very, very smooth out here. It's sort of nature's you know, open runway, if you like. It's perfectly flat. And really, for us, we need it to be almost unpleasantly windy. So when races would have been called off, you know, for the America's Cup, you know, we'll be just starting to warm up. So um, we'll be looking to have around about 30 to 35 knots of, of wind. Even more would be better. And that provides the power or the thrust um, for the wing to basically suck the craft forward through the through the air. So... Um, we'll ballast the craft up accordingly. We need to, you know, make sure we've got the right tyres on. Um, we end up with a huge amount of side force, about 1.7 tonnes of side load on the craft at 250 kilometres an hour. So even at 200 kilometres an hour, we're very, very close to that 1.7 tonnes of side force. So we only have about 250 kilograms of, of thrust, so massive side force, not much forward force. So the balance and the aerodynamics of how you set the craft up are super important to get that ultimate top-end speed on the salt surface. Oh, no doubt you would have done many a test run. So you have, on unofficially, what have you got up to unofficially? <laughs> unofficially, we're sort of uh, just getting towards the 150-kilometre-an-hour mark now. Um, we did about 145 kilometres out at Penelpai uh, on, on the runways there, but unfortunately... Needed to sort of hit the brakes pretty hard without sort of having to go off the end of the runway there. So being out here on the lake, you know, we're hoping to sort of quite quickly be able to let the craft stretch its legs, stretch its legs, and and really start you know sending it pretty hard. And I have you know huge confidence in the design and the engineering you know capacity of the of the yacht. So it's really up to me to sort of um, you know man up and uh, and hang on to the thing and actually um, you know keep the power absolutely flat to the floor and actually steer the craft at about a 10-degree drift um, across the surface at over 200 kilometres an hour. So something that I've been looking forward to doing for a long time and it sort of connects my 
I guess, motorsport um, love and my sailing love all together. And hopefully we can do that as a great team effort and, and make New Zealand proud. Oh, mate, it, it is phenomenal. It's, it's mind-boggling what you're about to do. And we hope you achieve it, Glenn Ashby. Like, you've just given us all the detail. Um, and, and I'm picturing it here, mate, just all the forces and, and everything that's going to happen to this machine. And things happen to have to happen perfectly, let's be completely honest. Because when it goes wrong, it could go you know, go pear-shaped pretty quick, am I right? Yeah, look, absolutely. Like like anything, you know, when, when you're pushing the boundaries hard and you are you know, on the very much on the cutting edge of, of technology and performance, whether it's been in motorsport uh, or in sailing, as we've seen, you know, with the America's Cup boats, when when things go slightly wrong, they can go wrong, you know, in a big way. So I've spent a lot of time, um, you know, on the simulator and, and working hard on, on the if, the buts and the maybe. And, you know, I'm, I'm certainly... You know, going to ease myself in the best I possibly can to you know, learning about the craft, and you know, every day we'll be sort of testing when we do have you know very very good conditions to test in. I'll be hopefully raising the bar, you know, quite quickly to sort of run through different configurations. But there'll come a point in time where it'll be, um, you know, you have to take the bit between your teeth and you have to push into areas that you know might be a little bit uncomfortable. But that's uh, that's what breaking records are all about, and I'm I'm certainly on this planet to do exactly that. So I won't be holding back when the time comes. Oh, we can't wait to watch it, mate, and see it all unfold. Just quickly, I know it won't be just you, a one-man bandit. So anyone else who needs a shout-out from Emirates Team New Zealand that's helping you and behind the scenes to be able to achieve what you're achieving? Yeah, look, I think certainly, uh, you know, Sean Regan and the uh, the, the Shore Crew guys that have, have sort of built the boat, um, massive shout-out to, to those those boys. They've, they've done an absolutely incredible job of, of putting the craft together really quickly. And, you know, Dolph has obviously been a, a great supporter and, and the wider team, you know, throughout the, the whole design um, build process. It's really a, It really is a, a big team method, and I think that's one of the real special parts about Emirates Team New Zealand is, you know, it's the team aspect of it all. And, you know, you work together and uh, you get the, the, the strength out of the collective group. And, um, you know, that's why we've been able to achieve, you know, some fantastic results over the past decade or so. So, um, yeah, no, really proud of all the guys. And it's, uh, it's a great privilege to be able to pilot this craft, hopefully, into the, uh, into the record books. When D-Day. Have you got a D-Day that we can look forward to this? Mate, it's um, unfortunately, uh, you know, unlike a rugby game that kicks off on, on the whistle, for us, we're based around the, uh, the weather and Mother Nature. So um, yeah. the beauty about this challenge is that, um, you know, Mother Nature will provide us the gift when she's ready and we just have to make sure we're there ready to accept that gift when the time comes. And one of the exciting things is, is sort of the unknown of when you're going to get that, that gift of that beautiful breeze in the right conditions. So... Um, I can't give you an exact time, but I'm sort of hoping over the next couple of months that you know we're going to have an opportunity to uh, to put the put the pedal to the metal. Well, I'm sure the way the world's going, mate. She's pretty crazy and pretty angry at the moment. There won't that time will come pretty shortly, no doubt, mate. Appreciate your time on the show, Glenn Ashby, Emirates Team New Zealand chasing the land record, 202.9 kilometres. Well, in fact, he's going to demolish it, 250. In fact, we appreciate your time, mate. Thank you so much. Thanks, Izzy. Cheers, mate. Off the back fence with Tony Kemp. Off the back. <laughs> Excuse me. Not off the back fence with Tony Kemp. S-E-N-Z. Um, Glenn Ashby. Wow. You were just thinking about speed then, weren't you? Yeah, 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 yeah. Then I played it a second time. Uh, wow. 
I'm just watching Izzy where it is uh, in Lake Gardner there in South Australia, like on the salt flats. And that is incredible. It's vast, it's open, it's windy, mm. it's gnarly. Did you just get the impression when you were speaking to him that this guy's just mad? He's mad, mate. He's mad. Like all the science, science that's got to go in, that's all involved with forces coming from the left to the right. Like everything's got to work perfectly, otherwise it can go pear-shaped. And obviously waiting for Mother Nature to provide the perfect conditions. Like, everything's going to fall in place. It was a great chat with Glenn Ashby. What an absolute bloke. We appreciated that. And I did. I was just sitting there going, wow, this is actually genuinely crazy. <laughs> Adrenaline junkies, eh? Like, at, at a, 250k. At a different <laughs> level. Absolute different level. Man, I, I, I get frightened when I'm going 120k's. <laughs> mm, imagine that. In, in that your thing. Audi with your earbags. Oh, I know. <laughs> Terrible. Terrible. But, but I've got another... I've got a mate down in Fongamata. His name's Stuart Goldsworthy. He's been going over to those salt flats too, trying to break a land speed record. And he's a real car enthusiast. Um, mm. Mate, they're just... They're, they're different people. Like, he's just yeah. so full of adrenaline. He just wants to get to, to a place as fast as he can. One thing I couldn't work out as he is, and I wanted to know, is why Team New Zealand? Why are they doing this? Surely they've got, but they just, as he said, they just want another feather in their cap. They love to innovate. They mm. love to push the boundaries. So they love speed. Dolts love speed. So he's like, yeah, why not? Yeah. <laughs> hey, Glenn, you take the kit. <laughs> Enjoy yeah, yeah, yeah. Chase How much you need? Chase your tra- crazy childhood <laughs> dream. Insane. Yeah. Brilliant. Right, he was a champion trainer back here. We've all enjoyed following along with the journey of Jamie Richards throughout the years. And, well, he finds himself in a very different location to Matamata as the debut, the kickoff to the Hong Kong journey is nearly here for Jamie Richards Racing. He's always good with his time. He's with us on the line here this morning. Jamie, it's all coming to fruition, mate. You've got runners at Happy Valley tonight. It's pretty exciting. Does it feel real? Yeah, morning, Louie. Yeah, it's, uh, it's all good. Looking forward to uh, looking forward to um, getting the horses there, and uh, obviously been a fair while since we've, we've had a runner. Um, you know, finishing up in New Zealand and then doing the groundwork here. So, uh, yeah, looking forward to uh, looking forward to taking the covers off a couple. Uh, we've, we've spoken to you about the kind of journey that you've been on and, and the kind of setting up and adjusting to life in Hong Kong, so we probably don't need to relitigate that. But just on your stable size, the actual dynamics of your stable, what you've got to work with heading into your uh, debut and obviously moving forward, where are you at? Uh, so we've got uh, 50, 51 horses, I think, here at the moment, and uh, the capacity for a single site trainer is 60. As soon as we hopefully get some boxes at Chongfa, which is across the border, uh, at some stage in the next 12 months, um, then our capacity will go to 70. Um, but yeah, we'll, we'll have the place full um, by November uh, with some new horses, new horses to come in this month and and next month. And uh, yeah, we're we're really pleased with the numbers that we've got. It's been a good vote of confidence from the local owners. Um, and there's you know there's plenty of horses there. There's some you know obviously better than others. The first ones that we've got racing on uh, Wednesday night, they're um, uh, you know all stable transfers from other people. Um, but it's the fresh horses, the new horses um, that have arrived that'll be the backbone of the stable in, in 12 and 18 months' time. Yeah, it's really exciting, and you must be buoyed with confidence by the backing you've got. Is there any way to line up uh, the talent and where you think your stable is out at without actually just getting into it and seeing how your runners are going? 
Um, it's sort of a bit hard to get a line on them because uh, the trials are all very quiet and the um, uh, <clears throat> the track works all sort of in hand, well held sort of sort of work. So uh, most of the transfers that we've got um, are sort of pretty badly out of form. Um, but because they've been so badly out of form, they've also lost a, a lot of rating points. So. Uh, it's very much a ratings-based system here. They run up and down the different grades and find their mark. And, um, you'll see sort of going through the form and having a look at horses that they have the ability to be able to win off a mark of 38 and it's not, you know, then you get five or six points for winning and it's not until they get back down to 38 and six or seven runs or whatever it may take that they win again. So it's um, it's, it's very much off ratings um, and we've got, uh, three horses in there tomorrow night that are all sort of rated pretty low. Um, so hopefully they're in with a shout. Yeah, that's, and that is interesting. And I know it's probably spent, it's been something you've taken some time to make sure you've got your head around. Uh, flying on the turf kicks you off, right? So flying on the turf, a bit of a ceremonial runner, but is there a chance he can go really nicely and get you off to a flying start? There's a chance. Uh, he, I think he's winless in 20 starts up here. Um, but he came as came in as a PP, um, so his rating was a little bit higher than the unraced horses, and he's um, probably been a bit stiff not to have won one by now, but this is his first start down in Class 5. He dropped five points in the off-season, so, um, yeah, this is a nice race to kick him off in, 1,200 around the valley. Uh, here's a horse that performs well on the all-weather track as well, um, but hopefully, you know, the way that he's trolled up, he can you know, sort of go out and be competitive, all going well. Oh, we'll get a line on you then. If you can get a 20-start Hong Kong maiden winning, um, that, that wouldn't be pretty <laughs> be pretty handy work. What about Fortune Master, mate? Uh, Fortune Master's going all right. He's, um, uh, he's, all of the horses have had a couple of trials. He tried well at Happy Valley. Uh, he's a horse that sort of 12 months ago was winning uh, in Class 4 and, and running sort of genuine Class 3 times. So, uh, he's got a few little issues. He's an older horse, uh, but he seems to be pretty sound and pretty happy at the moment. And uh, if he can sort of hold his spot from a good gate, you know, should should be half a chance. But um, his body weight is up quite a bit on when he ran for his previous trainer. So uh, that's got to be taken into consideration and all of these horses will improve with the outing. And I see you've got Rattan Kingdom um, in as well, and his regular rider, Ryan Meyer. So you're booking jockeys and trying to keep similar jockeys with similar horses. Has that been easy enough to navigate? Um, yeah, I, I guess so. Just taking a bit of getting used to. Like, uh, obviously, everybody wants to try and use Zach as much as they can, uh, but he's very hard to book. Um, but Luke Ferraris, who's riding a couple, had a good start to the season. He's riding well. He's a young guy champion. Uh, apprentice in South Africa knows how it works here and Ruin Meyer um, a jockey that uh, probably doesn't get a, a whole heap of uh, opportunity but rides well when he's rides well when he's given a chance so um, hopefully Ratton Kingdom can, can run well he's going to race in the blinkers for the first time and he's trolled well uh, he's drawn a little bit awkward in eight just need a little bit of luck in running from there but um, another hopefully that uh, you know, sitting forward enough to, to run well. We've tried to sort of set it up so that the first time we go to the races, we've got a few few sort of hopes. And um, yeah, these are the three that we come up with for the first night.
Oh, that must be your marketing manager pushing that. No, that's that's good to hear, mate. And I would love to would love to see you hit the ground running. But we also under no illusion of the the battle and the challenge that is at your feet. And you've spoken about it many a time. That this is going to take a year, eighteen months, maybe years before you can start to really fly. Uh, does that mean we'll see Jamie Richards runners consistently at the races from Happy Valley Wednesday on? Yeah, so there's uh, three on Wednesdays we've spoken about, and then we've got two in at Charlton on Sunday. Uh, they're horses that um, uh, will need a run. They're going to kick off at 1,400, and then they'll go back to the Valley uh, 1650 for their second start. That's probably where they're better suited. Uh, but you've got to you've got to run them here. You don't you know the, the owners don't want them sitting in the box. They don't generate any money there. Um, and if you're running them and they're not running well, then you're then you're dropping points. So um, yeah, we've just got to got to work it all out. We'll have maybe one or two runners next Wednesday at Happy Valley. Uh, and then in the next month, we'll start to have sort of more regular runners that have uh, had a couple of trials and, and some of the new horses will be um, sort of ready to race um, and, and they'll be worth, you know, looking forward to. So, um, yeah, we're just sort of finding our feet a bit and understanding how it all works, but looking forward to um, taking taking some horses to the races uh, on uh, tonight. Excellent stuff, Jamie. And uh, I know you obviously will follow the New Zealand bloodstock closely. Are you a chance to get back here and have a look at some? Um, hopefully that you'll be able to race yourself. Yeah, for sure. Yep, coming back for the Ready to Run sale. It's a um, proven source of good horses for Hong Kong, and it does suit the uh, suit the owners up here with the with the PPG permits, which is the unraced um, unraced horses. Uh, so yeah, we'll be, be coming back for the sale and, and uh, looking to try and buy some nice prospects for the stable up here. Exciting stuff, mate. This is the start of a new dawn. Um, I know you'll just be trying to keep it business as usual, but we're all pumped for you. So good luck at the Valley and we'll watch with interest moving forward over the coming weeks. Thanks, Luke. Good to talk to you. As kickoff edges closer to what has already been discussed as one of the most anticipated Rugby League World Cups ever, winning chances are stacking up across the board as tournament squads being named with straw-dropping talent arrive up there in the UK. The event, of course, was supposed to be staged last year, but with COVID-19 calls and havoc and travel and play availability, stakes the decision to stage the tournament a year on looks like it will produce a mouth-watering spectacle. John Dutton is the CEO of the 2021 Rugby League World Cup and he's on the line with us now. Good morning, John from the UK. Good afternoon here and good morning to you. Mate, how's things going? Must be really excited that uh, the teams are arriving finally and a year later we're about to watch and witness one of the best tournaments ever for the Rugby League World Cup. It really is very exciting, uh, Tony. We are looking forward to welcoming 32 teams, uh, of course, across three tournaments, uh, starting with the men's uh, in just 10 days' time at St. James's Park, Newcastle. Uh, as you said in the intro, we are welcoming the world's very best players, the most diverse playing population ever to have assembled. It really is very exciting. Mate, talk to us about the delay. Obviously, it was inevitable that you're going to have to delay it. Players were pulling out left, right and centre. So so the extra year, has that added, well, you know, obviously giving you more time to create an even more and better spectacle going forward? Yeah, I think it has. Um, what happened 12 months ago was really disappointing. Uh, but as you say, understandable. Uh, we've moved on from that. Um, we've used the 12 months to get more commercial partners, uh, excite more people, get more broadcast deals in place so people across the world can uh, watch and enjoy the tournament. 
Um, certainly present, presented a few challenges in the uncertain world that we live in. Uh, but yeah, we, we can't wait. It's been seven years of planning to get to this point. So just to be 10 days away, uh, there's a great sense of anticipation. Hey, John, I've witnessed you your work, um, having worked with you before, and you're very, very good at it. That extra year you're talking about, the logistical, I guess, um, issues that you have, the problems because it's been put back a year. How have the host cities taken that? And are they looking forward to it finally kicking off? Yeah, I mean, first of all, thank you. That's very kind. It's a long time since we worked together in person, uh, Tony, planning for the 2013 uh, World Cup, which was really memorable uh, across the board. But this is very different. Uh, It's much bigger. Uh, Of course, we've got men's, women's and wheelchair. And our host towns and cities, and we are seeing this now, cannot wait to roll out the red carpet and welcome the nations. And as as you know from touring uh, both of you, that the nations will stay, they'll be in the communities, uh, there'll be open training sessions, they'll be very accessible. Um, and yeah, that's what creates the excitement and the civic pride in our towns and cities. Have you seen the writing on the wall for the uh, for a while now? The International Rugby League was about to come a different beast with players wanting to represent their families and their origins. Have you Did you see the writing on the wall? Yeah, I mean, I was out in Sydney in June uh, for the mid-season internationals. Uh, didn't didn't manage to get over to Auckland, but was at the Papua Guinea, Fiji, Samoa, uh, and the Cook Island games. And in the camp with the players and listening to the players who obviously want to play for the Heritage Nation. And what that presents us now, particularly in the men's tournament, is so many competitive nations that can win uh, the tournament. And that is brilliantly exciting for any rugby league fan. Hey, John, I've just been speaking to the boys up there this morning. Thomas Lulawai, obviously, he's playing this weekend with the Kiwis when they roll out in their, trial, uh, their warm-up match against the Rhinos. Um, as far as the English go and the warm-ups as well, how, how is the, the, the whole country getting behind going to watch England play? Because all this talk is about New Zealand, Samoa, Tonga down this end. What about the English? How are they getting behind your home, your home team? I think a mixture of um, sort of anticipation, trepidation at the strength of some of the nations. Uh, obviously, we look at that Samoa squad uh, and it's really strong. Uh, but I think there's a lot of confidence uh, here in England. Um, International Rugby League isn't played enough. So spectators in England haven't had the chance to watch uh, the England men's team, England team, England wheelchair team for some time. Uh, they uh, warm up against Fiji uh, weekend. Uh, obviously, got the Leeds New Zealand game, which I think will be really special. Uh, special for Thomas Lulai in particular. Um, uh, and that's just, it creates more mouth-watering moments before we uh, get to the 15th of October, starting with England Samoa, uh, but also uh, the same evening uh, we have Australia and Fiji, the repeat of the last two semi-finals before the Kiwis the next day. So it is wall-to-wall rugby league, 61 games once we get underway a week on Saturday. Hey John, I just want to tack right a little bit here. We've got a Rugby World Cup down under here. It's the Women's Rugby World Cup and uh, that's starting to gain some traction. Is there anything that you've kind of taken away from, from the Women's Rugby League World Cup uh, over the last couple of years? Look, it's, I think the Women's game and, and Rugby League is flying at the moment. You've seen the NZ, oh, you've seen the uh, NRLW taking place over in Australia. I think that's been an absolute spectacle. But down under, we're still at a situation where the women's games just slowly gaining some momentum. Like, is there things that have that you've put in place that have kind of uh, put the in uh, the, the rugby league world cup women's game in, in good stead? Uh, 
Yeah, absolutely. Um, it, it's been an incredible journey, I think, for women's rugby league. Um, very steep trajectory over here of growth. Uh, the Women's Super League here in the UK has really taken off. Um, we've travelled a lot pre the pandemic. We were out in Japan for the Men's Rugby World Cup, but also talking to athletes across sport to try and learn from them. And on the basis of that, as some of our foundations, we have introduced prize money uh, for the first time in the women's tournament. We've equalised participation oh. fees. We've actually put a day extra in the schedule for women's for a longer turnaround time. Uh, and we know there is a balance between uh, full-time male professional athletes and part-time um, women's uh, athletes. But we're so excited about the women's tournament. Uh, I was in Canberra for the State of Origin women's game between Queensland and New South Wales. And what incredible talent, um, physicality, skill, speed. Um, and I think we are looking forward again with a bit of trepidation from an English uh, perspective to seeing some of the superstars that will play for the Chillaroos, uh, that will play for the Ferns. But also we've got Brazil. Uh, Brazil, the first ever South American team uh, that will open the tournament against England in the women's tournament. And again, that's just something for us all to look forward to. And on the back of that will come more growth. How did you get to that situation? Because I know a lot of female athletes will be listening. You've, you've got them. Uh, most of them are playing for free. They're not. They're not on contracts. They're not getting paid. So, what sort of investment was needed to be made for you to be able to offer those solutions to these female athletes? Uh, yeah, I, I, I watering from a rugby league uh, perspective. Um, when we first set off on the journey of uh, we wanted to deliver men, women, wheelchair athletes. Um, authentically together on the same platform. We probably haven't quite worked out how we were going to do that, uh, from, haven't quite worked out how expensive it would be. But once we made that commitment, there was no turning back, and we just found ways of making that happen, and that's through our commercial partners, through UK government. Uh, but it's about having a vision, and, and we're not quite there in terms of where we want to be uh, through complete equality. But this is a massive stepping stone, and to see the athletes treated the same, um, same flights, accommodation, training facilities, um, and, and having that ability to win prize money, we think it's a really big deal. And hopefully this is a, a small part of history. And uh, when we come to the next World Cup and the next World Cup, it, it really has grown and we've inspired more people to take up the game. And, and we are uh, so committed to what happens off the field is as important for us as what happens on the field. Great evolution, John. Hey, there's also a third arm to the World Cup. We talked about the men's, we talked about the women's. You also got the Disability Rugby League World Cup playing in the background as well. Give us a little bit of information about that and how that's gone for you. Yeah, well, we've, we've actually got four tournaments overall. Uh, let's not forget about the wheelchair tournament, which I know New Zealand uh, aren't participating in, but it's going to be really special. The wheelchair Rugby League is a sight to behold. Uh, the skill, the bravery, uh, and a completely inclusive sport, men, women, disabled and non-disabled athletes together. Uh, so England and France will start the favourites in that tournament. Uh, but the Physical Disability Rugby League World Cup, so the first ever um, tournament, four nations. Uh, of course, New Zealand joining Australia England and Wales, we are so excited uh, about that. And I think it's a celebration of everything that is great about rugby league across the globe, that it is such an accessible sport. Um, we have people with a physical disability, people playing in a wheelchair, men and women, and we're also running a big learning disability uh, event as well. And I think that's something for everyone in the game across the world to be really proud of. Well, John, just before we let awesome. you go, I know that uh, you've done a fantastic job and and I'm looking forward to the tournament down here getting kicked off, but yeah, I know you would have run a sweepstake with all the workers up there in your office. Who have you got, mate? I know you've got, yeah. you've got the English accent, but have you actually uh, got England as winners of this tournament? Who do you, who do you think is going to uh, come out and win the, win the World Cup this year? 
Uh, fortunately, I don't have to go on the field and play. I am an administrator, but very quickly, <laughs> I think there's five teams, five teams that can win the tournament. England, Australia, New Zealand, Samoa, and Tonga. Don't underestimate Papua New Guinea. I think in the women's tournament, the Gillaroos will start as absolute standout favourites, uh, and in the wheelchair tournament, England and France. So, so much to look forward to. I'm sure I'll be proven wrong, but that's what, what we've got ahead. The unscripted drama that only the athletes can create, it's going to be pretty exciting. You've got to give us one, John. You can't give us five. <laughs> I, I, I think I tried to squeeze in six, so we'll have crap in the game. Isn't it great that we, we, we don't have just the standout favourite? I, I think that is yeah. the most exciting thing. That's exactly right. It's one, of the, it's one of the most anticipated Rugby League World Cups coming up. John, thank you very much for joining us on SENZ for breakfast and uh, with Izzy and Kempe. And, mate, we look forward to catching up with you through the tournament. Uh, we'll stay in touch, go well, and just really slay this Rugby League World Cup. Can't wait. Thanks very much, Bob. Thank you. Life's so full on. I've been working on this deck for ages. These steaks don't cook themselves, you know. Life's good with a Trex deck. Composite decking made from 95% recycled materials that won't rot, stain or fade. Trex, the world's number one decking brand.